Speak seductively. Hi, everyone. This is Kyle Cannon, um, erotic romance author, as well as co-host of Speak Seductively. Unfortunately, my beautiful co-hostess, Lily, can't be here today, but uh, we're very excited to be interviewing uh, an author from Australia, Zelly Jordan, who has written some amazing books that that I want to talk about. I just got finished reading Fractured, and I was I was captivated by it, absolutely captivated by it. So I think we'll have a good long discussion about that. But all right, so I'm going to go ahead and see if I can get Zelly on our Skype call. Hi, is this Zelly? It is. Hey, Hi, Kyle. hey, how are you? It looks like we've got the technology working. Yes. Um, can you hear me clearly? Yeah, you sound perfect. Without any any further ado on my part, um, let me introduce Zelly uh, to all of our listeners. Hello, everyone. Hi, this is uh, Zelly. Thank you, Kyle, so much for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. So let's let's start off by uh, uh, talking about the fact that uh, you're in Australia. So um, we were chatting before we went live about the time differences and everything. But um, to me, it's fascinating. It's it's currently uh, about 10 in the morning, my time and you're midnight. Yes, we're heading into midnight soon. Um, Thankfully, I'm a night owl, so this doesn't cause an issue for me, um, but it, it very easily can. And the, uh, the time difference around the world is absolutely fascinating, isn't it? I like to joke that I live in the future because to most of the rest of the world, I am in the future because we were in one of the first time zones. <laughs> it, it is. It's funny. Um, I, I know... My wife and I love watching um, the the New Year's broadcast from around the world, and uh, we we always catch the the stuff coming in from Sydney and and Australia, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's still daylight here. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, see, I'm in Melbourne, which is south of Sydney. It's in uh, the state of Victoria, which is one of the, the lower states, and but we're on the same time zone as Sydney. So if you're seeing Sydney on the screen, mm-hmm. then happening at the same time in Melbourne. So let me let me ask you a, a question, um, kind of not related to the books so much, but um, Australia, like the rest of the world, is dealing with the, the pandemic. Um, yes. I, I know as an author, I think I've seen more people online buying books um, and, and chatting like this, finding ways to, to talk. Uh, how, how has it impacted you in Australia? answer that question in two ways one in general and one how it's affected me personally sure uh, in, yeah in in australia we've been quite fortunate that our government got onto um the example that happened with europe quite quickly so we've been very fortunate our numbers are still in the, the hundreds thank god um but it has had pockets of second waves and currently in Melbourne unfortunately we're going through a second wave so there's this real energy about the place that's um, been heavily influenced by all the restrictions that we've got um, and it's it's a very uncertain world uh, 
As far as me personally, it's affected my um, creativity in ways that I would never have expected. But as I like to think, I never anticipated that I would ever live through a pandemic because who anticipates that? So, you know, if you had have asked me in March, um, how do you think you'll cope creativity, creativity wise in your, you know, in your personality and in yourself while you deal with the pandemic, I would have answered it in a completely different way to what I'm experiencing because the the forced lockdown forced me to be creative in ways that I don't that I'm not normally am. Normally, it's my words that mm-hmm. uh, that I'm going most concentrate on, but forced inactivity has made me get um, creative in terms of painting and all sorts of things, just things that you know were coming out of me that I didn't expect. So. Um, and it's done that for a lot of people. In Australia, we found that a lot of people that were forced to be at home were finishing off all those DIY projects at home, um, people who hadn't, you know, who had been too busy to, to read you know, anything um, have certainly got back into reading, which is fabulous. And, of course, a lot of people you know, were you know, seeing movies. It's forced everybody to slow down. Mm-hmm. And that's been a good thing because we get so, so caught up in our busy, busy lives that we forget to sit back and enjoy the simpler things like reading a book. So on the one hand, I'm really glad that that happened, uh, that the pandemic has forced that out of people because I do get a lot of people you know, telling me now how great it is that they've forgotten what it's like to read um, and how enjoyable it is. So as a someone who is a reader myself, of course, and someone who's a writer, I love hearing that. Absolutely. Um, now, as, an, as a nation, you have a national program for the uh, uh, quarantine. Um, I'm not sure. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, we do. Um, pretty much when it first started, our government basically put us... Uh, put an economic uh, plan into place so that people who were previously unemployed and were now losing their jobs because of the the, the, uh, pandemic, they were all given government assistance straight off the bat so that nobody had to be forced into living off the streets or anything. Um, Banks halted Mm -hmm. their mortgage payments and everything. So there was a, a big plan that was put into place. I don't think anyone, however, was anticipating that six months down the track it would still be in place. Right. So we've had to we've had to extend these. But um, yeah, so far because of those early steps, we haven't had too much of a disaster in terms of people suddenly being out on the streets because they've lost their home or anything like that. We've kept that at bay, thank God. So that's been very helpful. And yeah. although we've had we're up to about 700-odd deaths in the country, which, as opposed to Americans, it sounds really, really small. But we've jumped from, gosh, we were under 100 about four, five, six weeks ago. And because of this second wave, we've jumped over 700, and that's frightening to us. Um, <laughs> I, I get really sad when I see the statistics for the numbers in America, especially 
watching it in Europe because I'm originally European born. Mm-hmm. So I've been keeping an eye on that too. So yeah. It's 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 fascinating to me. Um, I we were talking before. My wife and I travel a lot, or did yeah. travel a lot, and yeah. so we've got contacts all over the U.S. and all over the world. And um, even within within the United States, the differences of opinion about the the pandemic are so great. And yes. I, and people, you know, there's times we'll talk to people that they only see it as they're only looking at the United States. And don't realize that, you know, this is this is a worldwide um, issue. But I, I didn't mean to sidetrack us too, too much on that. But but I was fascinated. To be honest, I have very strong opinions on how America has handled the pandemic. Um, your leadership, and as I have, as I mentioned before, I've got a lot of American friends, and my heart bleeds for you all because I see the mistakes that have been made that. Australia managed to avoid, Europe did to a certain degree, but as I said, I've got very strong opinions, yeah. and uh, if we get started on this, this can turn into <laughs> a really political thing, but yeah, it is staggering, I have to say, it's fascinating, and it's staggering how many people see this pandemic in such different ways. Yeah, very... They turn it into a political thing, or mm-hmm. some sort of conspiracy, it just blows my mind that people's brains go in that direction that's that's my thing with it is um i i i watch news i read news from around the world and don't just rely on internal news organizations and you know and i i hear people say this you know and i i'm gonna stop the political at this when i say this but you know that this will all stop on november 4th after our election Uh i have to go i have to go it does yeah, well, and I look at it and I, I think, well, how is our election going to impact what's going on in Europe? And but that's that's beside the point. But the the creativity part of it, um, I was interested in what you said because for for me, and I shared this with some of my followers um, in March as this was hitting the United States. Um, it, it was, it was such an unknown to so many people here. And then I had an acquaintance who, who, uh, caught COVID and died and it oh was my so, gosh. I'm so sorry to hear that. My condolences. Oh, thank Thank you. Um, it was, it was a shock and yeah. I, I think that set our minds a little different as we were approaching it, but, um, but it also, it also halted my, my desire to write. And I yeah. didn't get back to writing until about two months ago. But yeah. so I was fascinated I, I to totally hear your end. Pardon? I can totally relate to that because I had a big stretch of time there where my words just weren't coming. It mm-hmm. was an overwhelming um, feeling that the world was going through and somehow it seemed to suppress any part of my creativity that is normally there. Yeah. I just couldn't seem to find it. It was like all my focus was on what was going on because it was so inconceivable. It started off the pandemic in, in with one thought, and I remember thinking clearly that this is just going to be for you know a little while, and all these people who were you know saying so dramatically, 
the world has changed, the world has mm-hmm. changed, um, and it's changed forever. I kept thinking early in March, what are they talking about? It's going to be over in a few months, not realising the implications, the long-term implications of what was going to be happening right around the world. I was so, you know, easy-peasy about it in my head. And then as time went on, it just got worse and worse. And, you know, everything that I had in terms of my own ability to create and do something, it just, I couldn't seem to find it. And it took me a while. As as you mentioned, it, it took you months same here, it really, and even now I'm still getting back to the, the, the rhythm of things as they were before. I've got a long way to go before I get there too. Do you think it's changed your um, writing, your, your author's voice? Are you going to be a little darker in what you're writing? or? <sighs> Interesting question. Um, not in terms of the series that I'm writing now, because I'm writing my third book, but it did bring up some thoughts and feelings that I thought to myself, well, maybe I could write about this, something that I never had considered before. Um, it's, yeah, brought up a few questions in my mind that maybe this is something I could write about. Maybe this is mm-hmm. an area that I could go into because it does, this whole pandemic does force you yeah, to... Bring out it, bring, it either brings out the best in you or it brings out the ugly. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's brought out the ugly in a hell of a lot of people. We here in Australia see, um, we get these reports of all the, um, the stuff that goes on in the US, but we're not immune from it too. We have a very small percentage, but they are there, of COVID idiots, as we call them. <laughs> um, you know, we have them too. So... It's frustrating to try and do everything that we possibly can to contain this thing and mm-hmm. you have a bunch of people who, who don't. So I find that a lot of my energy goes into that um, and I get distracted by that. I, so, I was going to say, I think Lily and I have gotten to the point where we have friends on all ends of the spectrum, but we've just decided for ourselves, um, we've, we've had close family and friends who've caught it and and the one friend of ours who who passed away that you know we're we're responsible for ourselves and yes you know i we've we've actually backed away a lot from social media because you know we just i i've got my oh because you're hating oh oh i so understand yeah quite i've been very uh I'm, I'm a lot on um, Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and everything, and I've found over the last several months that if I get too caught up in reading the stuff that people say on Twitter, um, it was I could literally feel my myself you know, getting angrier and angrier. And there were days, day after day, where I'd tell myself, "Stop reading this! Stop reading this!" because it was like killing your soul, and you know, if you focus too much on on the ugly that's out there, it was I was doing that to myself. So I tell myself, stop doing, it. stop reading it, don't look at it anymore. It's it's doing something. Um, it's making me unhappy. It makes me sad. It makes me frustrated. And that's not a good headspace for me to be at if I want to achieve some of the things that I'm wanting to achieve. Absolutely. You know, so you have to put it aside. Absolutely. Because it's just too much of that ugly out there mm-hmm. 
as I said, you know, this pandemic has certainly um, revealed people in their true light in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, and, and some good and some bad, but... So Absolutely. You're, um, let, let's get to your books. I, I, I yeah. did um, finish reading Fractured, and there's a lot I want to talk about with that. But before I get there, um, uh, I, I was looking at your description, and it you, the book is um, in one of the is in the author or gothic romance, and then uh, erotic mysteries categories. How did you come up yeah. with those categories for your I, books? I didn't. I actually didn't. Um, that has more to do with the, um, the publisher. Okay. I, to, to be honest, I still don't know how to change any of those categories. <laughs> and I, I guess that's because um, I have more control with my second book. But with my first book, it was published by a company and... Uh, well, pretty much I had no idea how these things mm -hmm. uh, were developed. It was all brand new to me. So I think uh, I was not, not misled, but, you know, I was taken advantage of in certain ways. I have since found out that who I published with would be considered a managing publisher, and I had never even heard the term before that. Right. So, you know, um, so as, in terms of why it's in Gothic, to be honest, it surprises the heck out of me. I have no <laughs> idea why I've been put there because I don't think I fit. I personally think that my books are not true romance. They're not um, true crime thriller. They're not too suspense. They're a bit of all of it. It was a bit of it was a twist of paranormal in there just to make things interesting. I'm um, so fascinated to hear that because as I was reading the books, I went back and I looked and. And one of my, the first questions that I wanted to ask you was, how did you come up with those categories? I sort of see it, maybe, but what yes. you're just describing now, I definitely see that that more. There's so much in yes. that first novel, and that yes. I think would appeal to so many different people who like different genres, even uh, you yes. know science fiction. Um, you yeah, know, there's, there's el elements of that in it, um, but that's so. That that gets us to a topic that I uh, we had chatted about a little before we went live, the uh, difficulties of being an independent author. There's there's a lot of us out there. Um, yeah. It sounds like you you gave some control over to your publisher, and um, is that well, a little frustrating? Go ahead. Yeah, to sort of to sort of explain how that came about. I mean, maybe other authors have had this happen to them, but. The way I started writing, I had, you know, my own reasons for why I started writing and everything, but it wasn't that I personally was out there presenting my work to any publishers or anything. It literally came to me. It was one of those, I can't even say it's serendipitous, but I truly think it had maybe something to do with, you know, the way the universe works. I know it sounds <laughs> yeah. very fairy, but... Uh, it was. It, it all sort of began when, um, in April of 2016, I had a phone call out of the blue on my mobile phone number, which um, for Americans that's my cell phone, um, and it was a publisher who basically said they'd come across my work, and have I ever considered uh, publishing? And I said, well, no. Um, 
not at this point I hadn't, but now that you mention it, it, it may be something I'd be interested in in the future. And she wanted to continue further. I said, but I told her, look, I can't right now. I said, my mother passed away a month ago and we're in the middle of um, a lot of turmoil at the moment. I said, can you call me in six months? And I put it aside because it literally was just about three or four weeks after my mother had passed in very unexpected and tragic circumstances. Um, so I was in no headspace at all. So it just came out right, of the blue. Right. Six months later, I get the, the same person calling me back and I said, okay, what have you got to offer me? She told me we're from here. Uh, this is what we do. Um, and I was so excited. I thought, wow, I'm going to get to be published. And it hadn't ever occurred to me that that was a, a possibility, I thought. I'd never heard of self-publishing. Well, I sort of had heard of self-publishing, mm-hmm. but I had no idea what was involved in that at all. Um, and so writing my, my story at that time, I figured if I was ever going to do anything, it would be the traditional route, and I was not prepared to go that, that way. So to have someone come to me and say, you know, you can self-publish it, we do this and we do that for you, and you buy a package, um, you do it, you know, and the package includes this, 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 and that. So, yeah, that's okay. I can do this. Right. And so, in the end, I had all, you know, it was my complete work. Um, I did all the the editing. Um, I hate to say this because a lot of authors <laughs> are probably out there thinking, what? <laughs> every word of my book, including the back, uh, including the blurb, mm-hmm. every word is edited by me. Um, I didn't know that having an editor do the work for me would be an option, but I'm also very picky and fussy, um, so I wanted it to be like all spell checking was done by me. In fact, I brag a little and say, I don't need spell check much, I'm very good with my English. <laughs> so everything was done by me. Now, I thought that was what the normal thing to do is. I designed the cover, I designed what I wanted here, and mm-hmm. all I had to do is tell the company this is what I want, and they had to go ahead and do it, and then they did it. So in terms of getting it onto the market and getting it on Amazon and every other um, online book site in print and in ebook form, um, they took over. And I thought that's what you did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's what you did. I Come have... to find out go later ahead. on when people started talking and I started reading a lot more, I actually started learning about what self-publishing was after mm-hmm. I self-published Fractured, which is very strange, I know. But that's when I started seeing these terms like a vanity press. What's a vanity press? I know most people know these things before they publish. I learned them all after I published. <laughs> I actually think a lot of uh, the independent authors don't know those things. And that's one of one of my many goals with the podcast is to try to um, to get some positive promotions out there for independent authors like us, and also maybe answer some questions. Um, yes, I, I think I, I still feel as if I have got so much to learn in terms of uh, what categories. Uh, how do, I still don't know how authors control the categories that their books are listed under. Well, and a lot of times, I'm sorry to interrupt, a lot of times we don't because Amazon will take control. And and I've heard from many authors before, and I've experienced this, that 
you'll put it in some categories and then one of their reviewers will say, no, we think it belongs in this category and, and well, change it. That's the thing. Did you, when you mentioned that Fractured was in the Gothic category, mm-hmm. I remember clearly um, the um, publishing company asked me what categories I wanted it to be in and they gave me a list of codes that it should be, um, you know, uh, listed under. So I remember clearly, you know, choosing categories like romance, you know, paranormal, things like that. Right. Never ever would I, I never ever did I choose gothic because my story is not a goth, gothic is set in <laughs> castles and dragons and all that. I'm in contemporary New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, is the, that is current day New York. That is not gothic. So it surprised me the first time I heard someone say that Fractured was in the gothic category. What? How does that happen? So I, yeah, I'm a bit bamboozled. <laughs> so for <laughs> for all of our listeners out there, um, this just goes to prove you can't judge a book by the cover, especially Absolutely if you're not. looking at just a few of the words. My advice yes. to anybody buying books nowadays online is get the free get the free. A section that you can get and read it because yeah. you'll find yeah. out what the book is really about because then you're reading the author's words and not a, a publisher's or Amazon's decision on what they think it should be. Absolutely, because as as an example of that, I'm going to state the obvious, but you're a guy. Right? So generally <laughs> speaking, a romance novel is not necessarily geared towards a guy as such, but would you categorize my book as being a pure romance? No, no. There's, and and the, the thing with it is there's romance in it. There's relationship in it, but there's action, adventure, mystery. Um, and, and, and honestly, you know, I, I, it's funny. I write romance, erotic romance. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those few guys out there doing that. Um, But I, what I prefer reading is more along the lines of, of what I read in your book. It's, it's action oriented. You know, I'm a guy, it's action oriented. It's got a little oh, bit of violence. So it, held, it held your interest. It did. It did. <laughs> but if I were strictly to rely on the categories, I, I might've, I, I probably would have just skimmed by it. And, yes. and that's, that's the thing that I've learned as a, as an independent author is and, and it's so frustrating to me trying to communicate that with people. It, don't look at the categories. Pick, you know, no. read the blurb. Um, get more out of it and take your time. Get and a sample. Get a sample. Get, because, get a sample. Yeah, it's not just one, th- uh, one thing. When I um, started to write my story, I didn't see it as one way or the, or the other. It's a story. Yeah. And yeah. to me, if you're writing... Um, any kind of story, just like life in general, it's going to have a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of nothing is pure one way or the other. I mean, I, I find it interesting that, you know, people would categorise a book as pure romance. Yeah. What, does that mean that the whole book is based on them going to dinner and have candlelight? No, there's got to be a bit of everything in there because that's what life is like. Um, 
Well, that's how I feel about it. I agree. I, 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 if, if I were your publisher, one of the things I would have said, gothic romance, no. Uh, contemporary no. romance, yes. I, I mean, yes. that could be a category for it. Yes. So It's one of those things that I've got to get onto the, the publisher and say, who's changed this? Is it you or did Amazon do it? Or who's changed the categories? Because that is not what I requested. Right. Um, and, and luckily, I am able to do that by calling the the, uh, the publisher. But, um, yeah, it's one of those lessons that I, I'm still learning. As I said, I learned everything after I'd published. I knew nothing. I assumed that to publish a book, I had to do all the editing myself. I had to mm-hmm. do all the digital stuff myself. I assumed so much. And uh, now that I've done one through um, through pure self, self-publishing, uh, I can see why people prefer to have someone else take over the digital side because that is not my forte and it right. did my head in. But, but yeah, it's two different fields. However, doing it you know, the traditional um, publishing, self-publishing way, not through a vanity press, does give you so much more control. And I like... Which is it. I, I, I like that because um, Lily does most of my editing and, and I'm going to say this publicly, any issues still in any books are totally my fault. Um, but I, I'm a lot like you. I prefer to go through and do my own editing because that way I know if I'm changing words or, or, or a, a sentence or something to make it grammatically correct. I'm still going to keep the meaning of what I wanted it okay. yeah. wanted to I, say. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever someone asked me once recently if I would ever let someone else edit my books and I said, I don't really know. I've done two, I'm writing my third. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would how I would feel. I'm still considering myself to be such a newbie in the um, publishing field in the author's world. I can't picture myself giving my baby over to someone else to edit because they don't have my voice. Right. And, yeah, and it's, yeah, and it's my voice. Literally, as you've now read Fractured, you know that every single word that is coming out through my character's voices mm-hmm. is my voice. Right. And, and, and I've you, in first person. and you got to describe their emotion and their feeling and, and that's all coming from you. And I, I have found when I, sometimes I'm going through and I'm doing a third edit on a book, especially the novels yeah. I've written and I get to a chapter and I think, you know, I need to rewrite. I, I like the con, I like it, but I need to rewrite it completely so that it feels like it flows better. An editor yes. can't do that. Yeah, and I found, interestingly enough, after I'd finished um, Unveiled, my second book, I found that even me personally looked at that book and said to myself, that's better than the first one because Mm -hmm. the first one was just me trying to figure out if I was a writer, if I had the ability. Um, I think that I do. But as I went to the second book and the story progressed, it, my abilities got better. And I think that's because as writers, the more you write, the better you get. Absolutely. It's like, it's any, it's any skill. You know, I tell people it's a skill, but it's also an art. And the only way to improve is by doing. Absolutely. And, And that's something that was quite frightening. Um, when I had written my, uh, story, 
well, I was halfway through my story when my mother passed away unexpectedly. And I remember being terrified that, because it all went, the whole story went out of my head and it wasn't in my brain at all, obviously, because of what had happened. And I remember, you know, going to bed at night sometimes thinking, am I ever going to get that back? And I was frightened that I wouldn't. Right. Luckily it did. And it sort of came back almost, you know, like a tidal wave. It just came mm-hmm. whoosh, rushing back. It was the strangest sensation. But I remember that clearly. And it does come back. But if you don't get on the writing cycle on a daily basis, it's you do have to practice it. And the more right. you practice, the better you get. And you have to read, read other people's things um, so that, you know, you can see other styles because it all contributes mm-hmm. to making you, the individual, a better writer. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, and so many of the authors that I, I've talked to over the last few years, because I've tried to learn from my colleagues, I think, I think, as you said, I think you have to. And there are so many authors out there who are giving of their knowledge. And sadly, there's others who don't, aren't, but that's, that's yes. the way it is with life. Let's talk about yes. the, let's talk about the book. Um, <clears throat> so the, the Unbreakable series, you now have two books. I know you've mentioned you're, you're writing the third. Yes. Is, do you have a publication date for that yet? Do you know? No, not yet. Um, I had intentions before the pandemic hit that I wanted certain things to, um, to be done by this date and by that date. And then it all went to hell in a home basket, as they say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mainly because um, the first peak of the uh, pandemic that happened here in Australia was the March the 28th weekend, the Saturday and the Sunday. That was our highest peak at that point. And I happened to be moving houses from one side of the city to the other. So it was absolute chaos. Uh, and obviously, if you've ever moved house, you know what a shamozzle that is. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And we basically moved into a brand new house in a new area that we had no idea you know, of anything around us. We weren't familiar with the area and we had to go straight into lockdown. So, you know, between trying to settle in and make a home, um, yeah, I couldn't seem to get my head together and continue uh, writing. So my schedule's thrown way off base, but I sort of figure, you know, I, I could probably be forgiven for that because I bet you there's a thousand people out there who've said the same thing, mm-hmm. who've had their schedules thrown off base. So let, let's uh, talk about the, the book. You're absolutely, I mean, as we discussed earlier, the pandemic has thrown everybody in a loop. But yeah, totally. Um, how would you how would you describe uh, fractured? How would you describe? And I'm trying to do this in a way that I'm not giving too many spoilers. So I'm going to let you give the spoilers. But how would uh, you describe that book? I would describe it as um, well. The way I describe it when people ask me about it is. It's a contemporary romance set in current day New York. Uh, it's, it's I call it sexy schmexy because there's a lot of heat in it. There's a, uh, there's a lot of uh, intrigue and suspense um, with a twist of paranormal. Yeah. Uh, that's, how I, that's, that's my little phrase that I sort of think covers everything that's in there. 
I think I think you're right. It's it's funny you said the the uh, sexy schmexy. We had in our uh, uh, text messages or messages back and forth. You had you had said you're not as I, I forget your exact terminology, but maybe not as as heated as some of the stuff that I write. But then I got to a section in the book and and I had to show it to Lily, and I'm like, okay, wow, wow, <laughs> that's that's really good. Yeah. Well, I I also describe it as I don't believe in fade to black. Yes, yes. Because there's nothing more annoying. Because uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, the background of how I got started with that um, with that story. Because I got inspired by, by a particular show that I was watching, and in TV shows they can only go so far. Um, whatever the TV station allows them to go, so and in some movies as well, they always fade to black. And I mm-hmm. didn't want the story to fade to black, so that's where that's why you bet nothing it disappears. Everything's shown yeah. in the story because I want the people to uh, to get the feeling of they're getting the whole story, not just the pretty uh, clean version. I know lots of people like clean romance, um, and good for them. That's but, great. But you know, I, I one of the things that that I try to promote and push is a is a sex positive attitude. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I, I think your fade to black description is, is perfect. It, it, it's we've become a culture or society that tries to hide something that's inherently beautiful and bonding Absolutely. between two people. And we've somehow made it wrong and bad. Yes. In, and yet, and yet, like in, in most of parts of the world, it's wrong to show um, the, the most beautiful aspect of nature, but it's perfectly okay to go around shooting and killing and yes. everyone have access to guns and that's another issue that we should never start on because I'll go on and on and on about that. Well, kind so of, I, I feel very strongly about that. I so have. How, how are we as a society, how can we do that? How can yeah. we see something that's natural and beautiful and is part of um, our evolution how can we see that as being wrong and something not to be seen and something to be hidden and yet it's perfectly okay and acceptable to, you know, to go around killing so freely on screen, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, to the point where you score bigger points. Right. Or more. Well, I, I've, just- I've had this conversation with with a lot of authors and, and actually there, there's several people in Australia that, that I follow. We mutually follow each other on Instagram. Um, yeah. Several of them are photographers and there's there's a, a move. I'm trying to keep this really short, but there's a movement that, you know, on Instagram, you can show bodies and you can have these pictures of the most gruesome scenes. But if you show a couple nude embracing each other, that violates yeah. their terms of service. Even yeah, you know, no, in the just, most, I, does my head in. It really just boggles my mind. I cannot, for the life of me, understand that. Yeah, yeah, it's. But back back to your book. So yeah. you call it the Unbreakable series. So I, 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 as I said, I read Fractured, and I read it start to finish in one sitting because I was so drawn into it but um that's wonderful one of my questions is how did you set why did you set new york as the scene rather than than some other city well the the, uh 
I set it in New York because the TV show that I was influenced by is also set in New York. Okay. It had, had nothing to do with um, any sort of imagination on, you know, where am I going to put these characters. Pretty much basically how that whole story started within me is because I was frustrated with the TV show that I was watching with how the storyline was going. And I kept telling myself, why are they putting the storyline in this direction? That's stupid. That doesn't make any sort of sense. And if you've ever watched a TV show that you've gotten really involved in or become a big fan of, sometimes you get frustrated with, that's that's silly why they're doing this way. And I thought, they're going in the wrong direction. This is the wrong thing. Um, so I wanted to make the storyline my own. And I, I kept telling myself, I could write this better. <laughs> yeah. Telling myself. I can write it there. So I told myself, well, go ahead and do it. <laughs> That's how I started writing it. I wanted to correct the scenes. Um, so I did. I literally took the literal scene from the you know, one episode and rewrote them. And that was the very first thing that I wrote about that story. Then when it came, um, long story short, eventually when I you know, was getting it ready to publish, everything got changed uh, because that's what you have to do because mm-hmm. you need to be far more original. So I did. Um, but that's how it started. It was literally being frustrated with the storyline, how it didn't make sense. There was loopholes in it. It, it was wrong of the characters. I felt that the writers were betraying the characters. Yeah. Um, so certain things about the, the, the show stayed within the story, uh, within my story, you know, set in New York. Um, the story was a contemporary story in the show, so it needed to stay the same, to have that same sort of um, genuineness and same sort of voice to in my story. I just felt that it needed to stay there. I guess I could have put it uh, in other places. I could have put it in Chicago or something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, look, if I could have put it in Melbourne, which I know very well from living here the majority of my life, um, I would have done that there because that would have been a heck of a lot easier. It is not easy for an Australian woman from Melbourne to write about New York. The amount of research that I had to do just to get it even partially accurate but i think that oh. I, I think that strengthens your story i know so many people who write about places that they're intimately familiar with and yeah. and because of that familiarity they fail to they they can't get the the culture across the 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 feel because so much is internalized that they don't think they need to write it down because it's not well, meaningful to them anymore that's probably true, but I, I have to admit that I was really worried that I wasn't getting New York right because I've never been there. I've never traveled to the US. I was so I was going I, I was going to ask you that because as I read the book, so first of all, I would say that 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 isn't uh, to me the integral part of the story is the story between the characters, and you brought in enough about. New York City. I mean, I I felt like I was in New York as I was reading the story. Oh, thank God for that, because that as as an American saying that that is so great to hear. Because that was my one of my biggest concerns. Um, there were probably a few times that I let Australian spelling mm-hmm. kick in rather than the American. Um, and I do apologise to people who would be very you know touchy about that. But it's my, it was my instinct to spell it yeah. the way 
that I would spell it. And, of course, there's going to be some differences. To me, I think if you were an American person, you could tell that this wasn't written by an American person because of the way I've spelt things. And I really worried about that, but hopefully it doesn't detract too many people from the story. I don't think so. And as I read it, those things didn't jump out at me enough that that it stopped my stopped my mental process of reading. Oh, good. Um, Oh, good. I, 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 there was a gritty feel to the story that you know just made it feel real and i've been to new york so i was i was thinking you know that it it's getting that sense across and and i think that was that was really that was really well done the the other thing um though you write from at least in the in the first book from a the lead male's perspective how did you put yourself in I'm asked this question a lot because many of my books, I, I write about uh, women and, you know, I go back and forth, but how did you put yourself in that male mindset? That was tricky, but I guess it, for me, it was easy to, to do that in this particular story, um, mainly because when I was frustrated with the TV show, I always wanted to know what it would feel like if the actor that was portraying the, the guy that is the partial beast, what he must feel like and what he must be thinking in certain scenes. And because I was so curious about what on earth could he be thinking when this happened or when that was said, um, I sort of put myself in that minefield of, well, if you were him, what would you be thinking? Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, my idea of what he would be thinking or feeling is probably a thousand times different to what the actor or the TV show or the writers of the TV show were going for. But it was when I put myself in his mind, it's like, okay, if this was happening around me, this is what I would feel. So somehow um, when I'm hearing Callan in my head, it's his voice, but it's still me. Do you know what I mean? The right. only part that, um, that I found... Uh, difficult was that I'm not a beast. <laughs> well, not in the evening, I'm not. I am in the morning unless I've got at least two coffees. But other I, than that. I'm exactly, I'm, I, I'm exactly the same way. I think I, I, I sent you that message. I have to get a cup of coffee before we start. I sent you three. Yeah, was... I sent you three. <laughs> <laughs> one is never enough. I mean, who, what fool I'm, I'm, one cup of coffee is enough? I'm on my third cup right now. Uh, to be, yeah. My son, before he went to, uh, to sleep, uh, just before we started, he said to me, do you want a coffee or anything? Do you want me to get you anything before you start? And I said, no, no, don't give me coffee now. I'll be awake. But I've had like four or five today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he knows when I'm awake with coffee. I, I make my pot of uh, hazelnut Kona coffee from Hawaii, which is my favorite right now, at ah. least. But that's my see, pot of coffee. So Yeah, but see, that's the thing. That's another thing that Americans do that Australians don't do. You guys always have um, the percolated coffee type and um, just talk to any Australian. We will tell you that our coffee is oh, hundreds of times better than American coffee because you do that percolated stuff, which is so good. Come to Australia, have mm. some decent coffee. <laughs> well, I, I, I do grind the beans myself. I like whole beans. So I, much I, I grind. That's much better. I grind them and and uh, make make the coffee myself, but yeah, I have to have a whole 
pot. So, um, do you do you want to describe the characters in your book at all, or do you think that would be too much of a giveaway? Uh, no, I can describe them if you think that uh, it won't be too much of a giveaway. Um, I don't think it would be. To me, uh, because the TV show that I was watching is um, basically a version of Beauty and the Beast, the way I see my character, my main character, Callan, is a bit like that. Um, he's a beast, but he's not a shapeshifter. So mm-hmm. that's why I say a twist of paranormal because in a lot of paranormal stories these days, everyone's shifting into something, right. which is great. Um, but this is not the same thing. He... He, my beast is a bit more like, oh, what's that guy, the green guy? The Hulk. For goodness me. Yes, thank you. I should know that. Eric Banner played him, for goodness sake. <laughs> Eric Banner, who grew up in my actual suburb. So <laughs> what's he called? He's from you know, my side of town. and Yeah. Um, he's a bit like that. He changes, but he, he still is human. Um, he doesn't turn green, of course. He has the abilities of several different um, animal DNA. It's not revealed in book one Mm -hmm. um, why that happens. In book two, a little bit more is revealed, but uh, I'm keeping the pace secretive for now uh, as it's revealed how he got there. But what with his DNA that's been twisted around, he's got the strengths of several different animals, the speed of you know, of a, a panther and things like that, but he doesn't change into any particular animal. He's, his body just distorts. Right. And he's, uh, it's it's always fueled by adrenaline of some kind, usually anger, but it can be from other things as well. But whenever his uh, emotions and um, <laughs> instincts get uh, wildly, you know, a, a, wildly attacked, that's where he will transform. Uh, it's Part of Callan's issue is being able to control him and you know, control him in the right circumstances. So, yeah, that's Callan. And the woman that he is main, the three main characters of the story is Callan and then there's Charlotte mm-hmm. who comes across um, eventually. Uh, and he come, she comes across him at a time, right at the very beginning, and his instincts somehow he knows that he knows her but he doesn't know who she is if that makes sense he has something wrong with his memory he doesn't know what it is at this stage especially not in book one Um, but there is definitely something wrong with his memory he doesn't have he's he's cold he's focused he's a killer he's a um soldier he's yeah, he's dangerous. He's very dangerous. He's very methodical and uh, robotic-like in a lot of ways, with no memory, and he's under uh, instruction from unseen forces. I think you do yeah. a really good job in Fractured with describing him that way and and giving giving him a humanity that kind of drew me in as a reader that um, I, I felt for this cold-hearted killer. Yeah, because he starts off that way, but yeah. as the story travels on, you find out that there's so much more. Um, when you read, hopefully you will read book two, there's a lot that comes out in that one. 
way more. There's a lot to be revealed. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that, well, not a lot of people, but some people said that they oh, can't stand it when a book has a cliffhanger. But that was the, the natural point that I needed to stop it because I knew that with book two there was a lot that needs to happen in that. So I, I think life life has cliffhangers. Life doesn't yeah. just come to an end and then start differently, you know, the next day. And, yeah. and you know, I, I've come to expect that in, in series that I'm reading because I want to carry on with those characters. Well, and the other thing is that that was my first book. I needed a hook to make people read the second one, didn't I? Right, absolutely. <laughs> So absolutely enough of an intrigue that people will say, I need to find out what happened. I, I love your I loved your descriptions of the characters. Um, they just brought them to life like um, yeah uh, the uh, detective curvilicious for the yeah that was something that it was one of those things that once Cohen started to speak in my head, and as an author, you know what I mean yeah. when your character's speaking your head. I have had people who uh, are not creative in, you know, as a writer or as a musician, for example, and who look at me like I'm crazy when I say phrases like that. But my son is a musician and a lot of his friends are musicians and one of them once said to me, because I know exactly what you mean, because when I'm writing, uh, when I'm working on the lyrics of a song, because I can hear them in my head, I said, yeah, I know, it makes us sound like we're crazy, but that's literally what I hear. And with Callum, for some reason, I don't know where it came from, but he kept coming up with his nicknames for, you know, for his the other characters in the story. And I just, as that started happening one or two times, I thought, that's definitely a quirk. Mm-hmm. And I just let him go with it. And when it, he speaks, it gives he him, speaks. It gives him personality. It, it yeah. m- makes him a unique character. And, and I think that that's fun to read. It's also fun to see him develop as that character. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember someone um, in a review said that they had a personal pet peeve about characters being... Uh, calling other characters by their surnames, and she and she she phrased it as, "I know that that's not a big issue for a lot of people, but that's a pet peeve of mine." But I had a very specific reason for that, and the reason will get revealed in book two. Mm-hmm. So there's a very big, there's a yeah specific reason why Callan, in his mind, when he refers to um, the other one of the other characters as McGregor, yeah. Surname. There's a reason why he does that, and it'll get revealed. Well, I don't know if it's uh, more of a reveal, but it's part of his progress. As the story continues, you'll see something change and develop along those lines. I, I know. I found myself reading it, wanting to know more about Kellen, um, and there yeah. were just enough hints that it, it was intriguing me. And yeah, it, it was. It, it's it's fun. It's a fun read. Yeah, I'll see. Well, especially with book one, there was enough of. Uh, I got told by people who were fans of the TV show that there's enough of the TV show in there that it makes it recognizable, but it's different at the same time. Well, it's. You know, it's I, it, go ahead. Yeah, they said it's different at the same time. I said, well, he mm-hmm. has to. He, he, he evolved. That might have been how I started to write him because I wanted to, to correct 
my perception of what they what I thought was they were doing wrong with the storyline. So that was then, but as it became more of mine, the story changed. The story didn't follow along with the show. I changed aspects of it. His personality came out, and it's you know it became more and more of an original character with just little splices here and there of the influence that I was inspired by. I I would knowing when we had chatted, you had mentioned the show that that kind of um, cre- jumped your creative juices with the the book. And yeah. I'd actually seen the show, and so yes. had had Lily, and I was describing your book to her, and and I I made the comment that there to me there's a and one of the things that you've brought out as we've talked there's an homage to the show, but the yeah. character everything else is so different, so yeah. much better developed. Um, I, I like that word, that word homage. Her, because, yeah, I, I was going to say her and, and Lily's read uh, pieces of it. And she said the thing she likes is you took it, you made it, you, you made the characters more real. The TV show kind of reminded her of a nighttime soap opera. And uh-huh. yeah, well, that's really high praise. Thank you so much to Lily, which I've always thought is pretty, pretty name. <laughs> I like it. It is. Yeah. Well, yes, you're allowed to like it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a gorgeous name. But, um, it's a good, yeah. So, yeah, it's really high praise. And, and I'm so thankful to hear you say things like that because two books in and I'm still such a newbie and mm-hmm. I still haven't found my complete author voice. I don't know if authors do that or whether you have to be know 40 years in like Stephen King or something like that before I, you find your voice I'm of but the I opinion if, I, I, I'm I, developing go ahead sorry <laughs> yeah no, I feel as if I'm developing um still but I, I feel at the same time that I did a good job with book one I think I do a better job with book two not really with book mm-hmm. three it just evolves and keeps going from there I, I, I was going to say that as, as an author, I think you always need to be developing. If you find your voice, I, I've heard some authors talk about that. And, and, and really, for some of them, I feel like finding their voice meant they got stuck into a, a niche and they can't yeah, move out of that. But I love yeah, reading. I, I love reading authors who cross genres, even if some of their books aren't as good as others. I love the fact that they're challenging themselves to do that. Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, I when I was younger, I used to read, um, and I still do. I was a real prolific reader. I would read you know, mostly things like you know romances and historicals and, and adventure and you know all those sorts of things. But you know, some books were one genre and if you keep reading that same genre without any crossover with any other fields or any other genres, it can get very monotonous. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I just personally think that, you know, when you have a story to tell, it's not going to be black and white. There's going to be elements of this and that. And why shouldn't it be? It makes it more enjoyable. I don't want my books to be purely marketed to, to women because I don't think that's, the the, the the basis of my story. I, I would agree. I, I've had 
Yeah, um, I've had people ask me what I thought were funny questions at the time, but I can see why they would ask. I remember very clearly in the early stages someone asked me, well, why, why do you make him swear? Because I'm not a, generally a, much of a swearer unless I'm angry. Um, <laughs> then, then I will swear. But generally I don't. And uh, this person asked me, well, why do you make him swear? I said, because he's an assassin, he's a beast, and he's male. How can you not swear? Please. <laughs> so right. as much as it doesn't sound like me in my own head when that happens, when Cullen talks, that's how Cullen talks. So it just felt more authentic. I've written some story, uh, a couple of stories from the female point of view that I haven't published or anything, and it's a completely different voice. And it should be. It should. Exactly. But I exactly. I, I I agree. I think there there's a lot of um, I would I call them corporate books out there that follow a a format a structure and they all start yeah. to read the same and the characters all start to feel the same and and that's why I love reading independent authors because you don't get that. Yeah, and you know that's really funny because one of my favorite authors as I was growing up. Um, Growing up makes me sound like I'm really young, but I'm not. Um, but one of my favourite authors, I found that I stopped reading them after a while because the same sort of feel to each book right. in her series. And she, she writes a lot. She's very prolific. She's everywhere. But um, one series is now into, you know, book 40. Mm-hmm. So it's it's becoming very formulaic. That's I'm a, not sure if that's the, you know, it's... That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put yeah. it. And, and I've lost interest. Yeah. Because it's like, well, there's no... If it's the same thing, I know there's a different murder mystery in each book, mm-hmm. but the characters haven't evolved. And right. If, the, if you're going to write a series where... Um, and, and in this particular instance, this author I'm talking about has a different murder each book, but the character's story, you know, travels along from book to book and it just regresses. However, the, the characters aren't evolving. Nothing's changed. Yeah. And, and you lose interest because, okay, you know, yes, there's another murder, but by the time you work that out, you're more interested in the characters that you've come to love 20 books in. But if by book 25 and 30 they're, they're sounding exactly the same, you lose interest, and that's what happened to one of my favorite authors. So, I, my opinion of it. No, I've 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 been in the the same position. I have a couple of authors that their first uh, books in a series were amazing, and I love them. Yeah. And and then sadly, you could tell when they. I'm I'm just going to say it this way: their publishers or somebody took over and said, "Hey, you've got there's a great formula." In these first yeah. few books, let's let's keep repeating that over and over and over again. And as a reader, I just lose interest. And I, yeah. I have a few authors that I absolutely love their early books because yes. they were so unique and well written, and the characters were growing, as you said. And then they yeah. they disappear. Listen, I. Um, yeah. I, I've been keeping you for well over an hour and I, I, I yeah, I lost track of time. I've, I've loved the conversation. I don't want to forget this. Can you uh, tell everybody who's listening where they can find your books? Absolutely. Um, anywhere online, um, Amazon, Kobo, 
any retailer online is going to be worldwide. So whether you're in Sweden, although a Swedish fan did say that it, uh, their Amazon is, is called something different, but it's their <laughs> yeah. fair version of Amazon. But it is available worldwide, so you can hop online to you know, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere like that, um, in print and in ebook. Of course, if you're in Australia, or even if you're not in Australia, um, I would be more than happy to you know, send out a copy um, of either of my books worldwide. I currently have a giveaway that's happening through my website on zoejordan.com uh, where I'm doing exactly that. I've got um, some books that I'm giving away through a giveaway and some merchandise and some Amazon gift cards. So let me... Let me let, let's make sure that the listeners have that. Is that z e l l y j o r d a n dot com? Perfect. Okay. Although, as the Australians say, Z Z. I I I knew you were going to correct me. I almost I almost corrected myself on that. So if they if they jump on there, they'd be quite happy to um, to send them that. And as my um, blog post will talk, you know, will we'll say mm-hmm. uh, if you do uh, want to join in with the giveaway, I'm sending them. It's open to worldwide. The only um, way to enter it is you've got to subscribe to the email list because it's the only way I'm going to be able to keep track of oh, yeah. The, yeah. the entrance. So if uh, if they do that, um, yeah, don't let the fact that they're in the US or England or Sweden or wherever, um, hold them back from joining in. I've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to do it again. I know. And as a new author, I'm you know still trying to build my um, my visibility out. Right. So you know, I need people to to be you know get on board and share me with everyone. So with that, with that said, um, you and I met online as, as as I think a lot of independent authors do trying to promote and self promote their books. So how, if, if I'm a fan, how uh, can I follow you on Twitter, on Instagram? Where, where should I go? Absolutely. If you're on, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Zelly 309. Um, so it said E double L Y three zero nine. That's my handle. On Facebook, I also have Zoe three zero nine writes W R I T E S. Um, of course, my website and pretty much on Instagram as Zoe three zero nine and LinkedIn. Same thing. Look for me as Zoe three zero nine or Zoe Jordan, and I will be there. Sounds good. I th- when I. Uh, put this out when I when I post this our interview in the description I'll try to include all of those so people can easily click and go to the oh, to your site fantastic that's so kind of you Kyle well that's let, very very kind of you I I am I am a firm believer that as independent authors we need to support each other regardless oh, of the totally. genre and and get let 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 authors get their voice out there yes your um one of your stories is on my to to be read list but in our group i don't know if you uh, noticed that a few weeks ago i started to i mentioned that i was going to you know put everyone's books on my to be list. well that's become a snowball thing and i now have 
So <laughs> but that's quite all right because the, the great thing about the little group that we have there is that we are all supporting each yes, other. Yes. So I am more than happy to have all of your books on my to to be read list because I get to see what other you know wonderful things and wonderful writers are out there. So I have yours, I have everyone else's in the groups, and if that's a small thing that I can do to um, to introduce you, for example, to the people that follow me, great. And the same vice versa. As you said, it's how we can support each other. Right. And, I, you know, I sadly, I've run across independent authors who are who are afraid of doing that because they're afraid of losing audience. And in my my perspective, no, from what I've seen, it you grow your audience. And, you know, people who like to read my books, um, it, exactly as we were discussing earlier, I'm writing right now. My, my short stories are very erotic. Um, yeah. But I try to develop a story and characters in there. I'm trying to tell a story. Um, yes. But I recognize that somebody may want to go from that to read something completely different. It doesn't mean they're going to stay away from me, but maybe they come back to my books with a refreshed palette. Oh, well, that's, that's exactly, uh, exactly right. I don't know if you saw the review I did of one of our other group members' books recently, Um it was just the, the one that I just finished, mm-hmm. and it was sci-fi, pure sci-fi, and, and it was like, really? It was just something that I hadn't ever read, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because of the fact that it was so different to what I would normally read. And it, it expands your uh, viewpoint. If you constantly you know, eat the same thing every day in and day out and day in and day out, you'll get sick of it. And Absolutely, the same thing yeah. reading, if you read the same thing over and over and over again, then you'll get sick of it, you'll get tired of it, you'll want something else. But those authors who um, are afraid to sort of branch out and support each other because they're afraid of losing their readership, you, you got it right. They shouldn't be afraid to do that because they're making the assumption that that reader, that's the only thing that they read. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. People don't just read... One thing they, you know, this we all read different things. No, I, I personally, I bounce around from several different authors and genres, and uh, I have a few favorite authors that I, I continue to go back to. But I yeah. found, like I said, after I've read in another genre and I come back to to find their latest uh, work, um, I enjoy it much more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that's really important too because it keeps us not only as readers that entertain but as writers it keeps us fresh too because if you're reading just in one if you're writing and reading in just in one genre you'd never you'd miss out on so much from the other genres even if it's not your personal favorite um and i've read some books that i've reviewed for other people where i think well that's not my genre but Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. There's so much good to be gained out of it for me as a as a writer, but for for me as someone who is wanting to be entertained by a story, right? Absolutely, you know, I agree. There's so much. I think that's why we need to, um, you know, keep our our readerships growing and growing. So, to other authors, if they're holding back on social media or they're holding back from, you know, expanding their readerships, I would suggest not to do it because don't make assumptions that 
just because this person is or says or looks this way, you don't know what they actually like to read. Absolutely. I, my, my wife and I constantly tell each other life is about experience and not things. And, yes. and we, we try to experience as much as we can because th- those are the things that stick with you. But Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it has been wonderful talking to you. Um, I actually, Likewise. I hope we get a chance to do this again. Um, I'll be, pl- be so pleased if you, I feel very, very honored that you uh, chose me to be your um, accidental first, uh, <laughs> one second. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I have to tell you that um, this is my first podcast recording. Uh, my son, when he went to bed, said to me, I'm proud of you. And I said, why? Because I'm doing the podcast. He goes, yeah, because he listens to podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. He's 24. He's a young one. He sees me as, you know, um, you know, this is something that is new for me. I've never done a podcast before. I've done radio interviews and things like that, but never a podcast. So he's, you know, proud of me. Good. For something as simple as a podcast. So you have given me that honor, and I really, really appreciate it. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. You too. I, I, I am honored. I'm so sad Lily couldn't be here to do this interview with Maybe you. Maybe we can do it um, again another time when she's around. Absolutely. Let's, let's plan on that. I will definitely be in contact about that. Um, for now, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, as I said, I will... Uh, let you know before I go ahead and make this go live so that you can get it out there to your followers and listeners. But um, thank you. Thank you once again. Uh, You you enjoy the rest of the night. Good thing you didn't have coffee. Maybe you can go to sleep. (laughs) I'm going to go to bed because I'm not sure what time it is because my phone isn't in front of me. Um, I believe it's about one in the morning your time. So Zelly and I talked on for a little while longer. Just absolutely loved this conversation. It was fascinating. And her book is amazing. If you get a chance, make sure you pick it up on Amazon. And I want to thank Zelly for the time she gave me. Uh, It was well after 1 a.m. her time when we finally signed off. And thank you for listening. Uh, Please tell your friends about uh, the podcast and, you know, send them the link and send them in this direction. Once again, this is Kyle Cannon, erotic fiction author, as well as host of the podcast Speak Seductively. Lily will be back with me for the next podcast when we have another author we will be interviewing. Thank you.